Hi, and welcome to my new podcast called Work Related. I'm excited to start a new podcast for the new year coming 2023, and there's so much to talk about. Uh, I had a podcast before called The Truth About Work, and I love that podcast, but I put the podcast on hiatus when we were preparing for a family move in the spring of 2021. We thought COVID was ending. We thought it was going to be over once we all got vaccinated. And so what we thought was going to be the end of this pandemic and quarantine era turned out to just be a lull. But we jumped on that lull and moved cross country. And um, and and so there was too much going on. I couldn't do a regular podcast in the middle of that tumult. And as time went on, I thought maybe it's time for something new. Maybe it's time for a shift. So this is the new podcast called Work Related. And really, what is not work-related? What aspect of life is not connected to our work? Our health is connected to our work. The way our economy runs is connected to work. Certainly, our individual uh, financial situation is tightly linked to our work. There's so much that that we have to talk about and really could and should be talking about more than we do about the nature of work and how to thrive in the workplace with all its faults and flaws and how to how to shift it, how to shift it individually for ourselves and how to help our friends do the same thing, step into their power professionally, which you know could be a matter of getting a certification or a degree or another year of experience, but in my experience is much more likely to hinge on ourselves and the way we view ourselves and our resumes and our talents and skills there's there it's almost impossible to overestimate the importance of our own work personal work and reflection and capturing what we have and what we know and what we've done and what we care about and what we envision for ourselves and the impact of that on our on our careers and our lives individually and collectively. So that's what this podcast work related is about. And I've got a few uh, questions to answer that folks sent me. And you're always welcome to send me a question to answer on the podcast. And you could do that by just sending your question to me by email at support at humanworkplace.com. Our company and the movement that we launched is called Human Workplace. And the idea is to reinvent work for people, to bring out the human aspects of work. So that's in the job search process. And I teach a really uh, powerful but non-traditional way to get a job, starting with understanding what you want, which is a piece of the job search process that really often just gets ignored. Like, who cares what I want? I just need a job. But it matters so much what you want and taking the time to figure out what you want in a job beyond just any job that I could perform because your branding comes straight out of your clarity about what kind of work you should be doing uh, and what kind of work is gonna is going to meet the most of your needs and the most important needs that you've got, which means you need to understand what those needs are. So, so we talk about job search, we talk about thriving on the job, huge topic, right? Uh, and, and leading people in a human way. 
which is also bucking the traditional trend because most of what we know about management and leadership is, is actually fear-based management, managing through threats and intimidation or the prospect of threats, right? You know, I'll smile at you and tell you what you need to do, but you still need to do it. And if you don't do it, something bad's going to happen. And that is management through fear. But we're kind of used to it. We just call it management. So we'll talk about that. Very big topic. Talk about understanding yourself more and more all the time and stepping into your power more and more all the time. Because that's got to be the point, right? If you just go to work to get a paycheck, and if someone were successful in convincing you that that's all you deserve from work is a paycheck and nothing else, and that you don't get to have aspirations, and you don't get to have plans or an independent vision for yourself as a working person or an entrepreneur, then they would have really disempowered you. And you might not even know that it happened, right? So that's our topic, work-related. And I've got a couple of scenarios uh, that, that readers sent uh, to, to, for me in the form of questions to answer. So let's, um, let's talk about that really fast. Hi, Liz. My manager is a big fan of team building. I am not. How do I gracefully get out of a team building day? Oh, that's a great question. Let's back up and talk uh, about team building really quickly and, and understand team building in the context of this human workplace idea or ideal replacing fear with trust at work. Um, I've always been kind of creeped out by team building, both as a participant and as a manager asked to do team building events. Because if you think about it, when people go to work, it's a business, it's, it's, ideally it's a business relationship. We'll talk about the fact that work very often, perhaps most of the time, employment is not a business relationship, uh, but, but we'll get there. Work is a place where you, you bring what you know how to do and you, and you bring that with an open heart um, to somebody who's going to pay you to perform the work. So a great example is uh, you call the electrician and the electrician comes to your place and they fix whatever's wrong in your electrical system and, and you pay them and you and they are equals. You would never say to them, you know what, I've got a bunch of people working on my house this month or we're doing a big renovation, so the whole team is here, the drywallers and the plumbers and the electricians and everybody, the HVAC folks, and we're all going to get together and go to, you know, the, the, the racetrack and, and watch some horse races. And they would say, yeah, no, we're not, I'm not doing that. I'm either going to work on your house or I'm going to be doing my own stuff that I choose to do. Like, you pay me, but uh, even if you pay me to go to the racetrack, I don't want to go to the racetrack. I'm an electrician. I know what I want to do with my time, and that is not it, right? It would be outrageous and absurd to suggest that people who have their own businesses and, and perform work for you, uh, that, that you would get to control what they do when they're not working. And But we don't have any of that same reservation or that same, like, what reaction when it comes to employment. You get on a payroll, and the, ex and the expectation and the understanding the presumption is that whatever the employer wants you to do, you do it, right? And that's not healthy, obviously. It's not healthy to have what is essentially a client, meaning your employer, one client sort of telling you what to do apart from how to do the work. 
And so when they say we're doing a team building thing, folks, it's going to be really fun and we're going to do this ropes course out in the woods, a really normal human reaction would be, ew, no, I don't like the woods. I don't like ropes. And I like these people well enough to work with them in our workplace, but I don't want to hang with them at any other time. So if I don't have to work that day, I will just be home. That's a really normal reaction, right? I just did a poll on on LinkedIn the other day and I asked which of these would you prefer a company team building day, uh, a day off work with that, with pay or a one day's pay as a bonus. And the vast majority of the respondents to that survey said they would like the day off work with pay, which is a pretty nice thing. Like you don't have to work. We're not expecting you here. You're not using up one of your sick days or PTO days or whatever. You're just not here because no one expects to see you. And that's especially nice because it means that you're not inconveniencing anybody in the sense that they knew you were not going to be there. They told you not to be there. Virtually nobody picked the team building event. So if nobody is choosing the team, not nobody, maybe 10%, but if, if a small group is choosing the team building and most people are not choosing it, then how is it team building? How could it be a positive thing when people don't want to be there? Social interactions that are forced are typically horrible, right? They're just not fun. They're awkward. They're yucky. They feel bad. They don't build a team, right? And the idea of forcible team building in the first place is ridiculous, right? I'm going to get you guys in a room or we're going to do some stuff and it's going to build a team. Look at the reason why teams don't function as well as they might is always in the environment. And the employees do not control the environment that the employer created. The employer does. The managers control that and they have to take responsibility. In the, in the team building-esque activities that I've been involved in as a consultant over the last 30 years, it's always management. It's always management. Not that they're bad people. They're trying to set up this team building day and pay a little bit of money to make things better, but that's way easier and way less effective than actually looking at what they are doing as managers unintentionally, I'm sure unwittingly, but still happening. That is, um, that is dampening the enthusiasm and the trust level in their organization or on their team. And it could be small things. They're just not acknowledging people or they're asking too much or they're, or they're contradicting themselves or they're giving two or three people the same assignment in a little horse race. And it happens every day or they're not being honest with their employees. It's, these are, standard garden variety problems that crop, crop up at work. But I'll tell you what, a team building day will not only not help, it will make things worse because it sends the employees the message that they have to somehow change something. Gel in spite of the toxicity, gel in spite of the dishonesty, coalesce as a team, notwithstanding the fact there's a massive 3,000 pound elephant in the room and no one's talking about the elephant, which is the high level of fear in the workplace. So tell your boss, if your boss really wants you to go to this team building, you would rather not participate. These types of things make you uncomfortable and you would rather, if, if, if it would insult them for you to say, I'd rather be at home for that day with pay, you could say, I'll, I'll do my work that day. Whether I work from home or work in a workplace of some type, I'll, I'll work. I'd rather work these kinds of social slash business events make me very uncomfortable. They make me anxious. It wouldn't be 
comfortable at all for me. It wouldn't be fun. And um, I would I would respectfully like to get out of it, not go. So think about what happens next. If your manager says, no, you have to go, well, then you know how your manager feels about you, right? They don't care what's, what's comfortable for you. How are they ever going to build a team with that, with that attitude, right? With that mindset. And then you have to decide if this is, you can, you can tough it out, get through the team building day. Maybe that's okay. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you call in sick. Maybe you start a job hunt. This time of year, right now, the new year, people are thinking about change. They're thinking about milestones. They're thinking about time passing. It's almost, imp it's almost impossible not to. And you got to think about who deserves you in their sphere. Who deserves to be in your sphere? Who deserves to have you on their payroll? And the big question going into a new year is, do the people that I work for and with deserve to have me around still. Sometimes they do and it's wonderful and exciting and sometimes they don't. We have more power than we think, but only if we use the power we've got. So yeah, not a fan of team building. You can make an attempt to get out of it. And then if you can't get out of it, you'll survive the team building, but just think about why you would want to keep working for somebody who takes your well, being so lightly, then it's not really about team building, is it? It's about saying that you did team building. And if the team can't respond to the team building, I just don't know what else I can do. Really, it's out of my hands as manager. I've tried everything. I tried the ropes course. I tried Dave and Buster's. These people are incorrigible, right? Very common, unfortunately, because we don't talk about fear and trust. When you plant a garden and the lettuce doesn't come up, we don't blame the lettuce. We look at the soil and the, and the air and the sun and the water, but at work, for some reason, let's blame the employees. And you know, it's not only dumb and, and inhuman and cruel and unevolved, but it's also really bad for business. And I will say, I'm surprised being an HR person for a thousand years. I'm surprised that we keep repeating the same obvious falsehoods, you know, like this, uh, the CEO of Salesforce just said last week in a meeting that their new employees aren't being productive and maybe work from home is the culprit. Yeah, sure. Work from home is the culprit. You have a, you know, I'm sure exhaustive recruiting process. You hired all these people, but they're not being productive and it's their fault. Now, come on. Back to the lettuce analogy. Really, a CEO who's not taking responsibility for the results at their own company, blaming their own employees that they handpicked is not a leader and really should not be leading anything, much less enormous Fortune 500 corporations. So, I mean, this is, we're telling the truth now. We got to, we got to tell the truth really loudly and, and join together with that because it's, it's, it's bad for all of us. Obviously it's really, really bad to have the mindset out there and repeated that, oh yeah, the employees cause these problems. What, how could that possibly be? They don't run the company. You do. All right. Another question. Hi, Liz. I went to a job interview last week. It was going well. And the manager asked me what I do in my free time. I had to think for a second because some of what I do in my free time is not necessarily anyone's business. But I said I work on independent films because I do. 
The manager asked what my latest film project was about, and I said, teen mental health, which I thought might lead into a productive conversation. But the manager said, I don't think that's an appropriate topic for a business conversation. I am mystified. That was the end of the discussion. What do you think? All right. Mm. All right. So first of all, an interview, a job interview is an incredible place to observe an organization's culture and also an individual person. In this case, your prospective boss, your prospective manager, the hiring manager for the department you'd be working in if you took that job. It's a great place to observe. And we often don't observe those things as well as we could because we're so nervous about our own performance. I have to say the right things. I have to be who I think they want me to be. That's really unfortunate because if we could stay calm and grounded and trusting in ourselves and the universe, God, mother nature, whoever, to put us in the right situation, we'd have much better powers of observation in that interview. We wouldn't be so focused on, did they like what I said? You know, I learned how to go on job interviews by uh, being a singer, an opera singer, and going on countless auditions. You go to enough auditions, and I had and I had great teachers. Uh, my teacher, Winifred, said, you go and sing your song. It's an opportunity to sing with an accompanist, usually a pretty good accompanist. Now they say collaborative pianist, and sing this aria and have them know who you are and, and just practice what you do. Who cares if you get the part or not? You don't know what they're looking for. She used a cereal analogy. They might be looking for cornflakes and your Rice Krispies. How would you know that? How would you know what they're looking for? You can't emulate something that you, you don't know what it is. And anyway, why would you want to emulate anybody? You just go and do your thing. That's the best advice ever. And by going on these gazillion auditions, in churches, in church basements, you know, in, in halls, in someone's house, wherever. You just show up and you sing and you get used to it and it doesn't bother you anymore. It doesn't bother you. You're not looking at how they react. You forget their names. You, it's absolutely fine because it says, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the protagonist in this, right? I'm the one wending my way and following my path and I'll get some of these parts and I won't get some of them and I'm not going to get emotionally attached to it because I can't afford to. And I want to generate so much activity, so much audition activity that I can't even keep track of them all. And who called me back and who didn't? Same thing with job hunting. So I understand why it rattled you when the manager said, I don't think that's an appropriate topic for a business conversation, but our goal with interviews is to say, eh, let them say whatever they want. You know, I don't care. Okay, as far as that reaction, it's one of the mm, second tier standard questions. What do you like to do in your free time? I, I'm not a fan of that question either. And I don't blame you for, for being surprised when the manager said, what do you do in your free time? Or needing a moment to think about it. It's personal. That it really is personal. What do you do in your free time? I mean, you know, maybe in the 1960s, 70s, when you were being hired or job that could last 40 years, you know, they want to get to know you as a person or something. It was much more of a family atmosphere in a lot of companies back then. Um, but nowadays, I would say that's an inappropriate question, along with so many others. But you said, I work on films, which is wonderful and amazing. 
great fodder, as you said, for conversation. And then they said, what's the topic? You said teen mental health. That's a great topic too. Oh, that's wonderful. What a great service. Film, a film about teen mental health. I, I, I love that. It's possible that this interviewer, this manager had some personal experience with teen mental health and it, and it rattled them or it jarred them. And you know, you go on, but for them to chastise you, an adult, taking time out of your day to interview for a job, you're not getting paid, they're getting paid. It's not appropriate and they're gonna upbraid you. They're gonna tell you how to, what? You asked the question. <laughs> you asked me literally what's the film about? I told you they were, they were uh, out of their power, obviously at that moment. There's any number of reasons why they might have reacted that way. Like I said, might've hit close to home or they might just have been jarred that you have a creative life outside of work. A lot of people don't hats off to you for doing what you do with films. Um, and they may know nothing about the topic and felt, you know, awkward, felt uh, less than didn't want you to have the energetic upper hand. This is extremely common in interviews. The biggest problem, in fact, of course, with job interviews is this, the mindset. I am the employer. I have a big decision to make. You are nothing, uh, a little applicant. There's a million of you. There's only one of me and you need something from me or desperately want something from me. So I'm going to wield my power in this, in this interview, fake power, you know, conferred on me by someone else, not my own personal power. Um, and so it's a huge red flag, obviously that someone would literally chastise an adult. That's not an appropriate topic. It's a huge red flag, more than enough reason to, if they call you back for another interview, just, you know, not go. But here's, I think, an even more important point. The manager tells you this is not an appropriate topic for a business conversation. Well, I have news for you, for them. An interview is not a business conversation anyway. It's not a business conversation. A business conversation is the plumber coming over to your house and say, it's going to cost about 1200 bucks for me to fix that sink. A, a, a business conversation is your kid's piano teacher saying, you know, I have a new policy that if you miss a lesson without 24 hours notice, I can't make it up or you're going to have to pay for it. That's a business conversation talking about the relationship itself, the business relationship. That's a business conversation. And there can be, of course, business conversations that don't focus on the business relationship or the terms, but the opportunity is always there for anybody in a business relationship to talk about the relationship, the brass tacks. And you don't get to do that in a job interview. That's why a job interview is not a business conversation. It's a social conversation. And many of the expectations of you as a candidate are social expectations. I don't think that's an appropriate topic. Really? Well, that's beautiful that you have that opinion. But first of all, it's not a business conversation because if it were, I would have already asked you, how long does this job last? What? How long does the job last? That depends on your performance. Really? So if I hit all my goals and exceed them, I'll work here forever until I retire? Well, no. I mean, the the exigencies, the, right? the, the conditions in the business, really? Okay, so, so you can't really guarantee me a job for any period of time, a week, two weeks. Can we be real about that? No, we can't be real about that. That's why uh, an interview is a social conversation rather than a business conversation.
And I think when you see that, when it hits you, I want this stuff to hit you. I don't want it to be, oh, Liz Ryan said this stuff on her podcast. I want it to hit you emotionally. I want it to hit you in the solar plexus and say, wow, I have to do this differently because I have to run my own business, my career, which, by the way, is way more of a business than many businesses that call themselves businesses. I want you to think of yourself as a CEO of your business, your career, and your life. Then you won't sit and tolerate, not that you did sit and tolerate that obnoxious observation that this is not an appropriate topic. Obviously, that's ridiculous. Maybe you got up and left, you know, left the interview then and there. But but you will tolerate less. You will have more boundaries, more confidence, and more power in the employment equation the more you understand the power you have. And that takes reflection, right? You could go get another certification. If, you, if you're into certifications, you could do that in 2023. And if that's the right thing for you, then beautiful. But I really hope you do the personal work as well. It's actually way more important. Saying the hard thing, saying the thing that's hard to say, taking a step into something new, something unknown up until now. Stepping through your fear is a million times more important than, than climbing another two ticks on somebody else's yardstick, right? You're going to tolerate less, and that's the way it should be. That's the best thing for you. So a couple of thoughts about this new year. It's a big occasion. I think it's a big occasion when you get through a year, especially a year like 2022 with the tumult, and you head into a new year to take control of your time and your energy by deciding what you want out of 2023. What do I want out of this year? You know how fast 12 months 12 months fly by and they fly by even more quickly as the years go on. They get shorter. They seem to be shorter because we've already had so many years, right? The older we get, the shorter the years seem to be. So the stronger should be the message in our hearts and our minds that says, I got to make the most out of this year. I know it's going to fly by. That's the one thing I know about 2023. So what am I going to do with these precious 12 months for myself, for myself, right? Maybe I'm going to work on my deck, you know, or maybe I'm going to start bicycling. It's all really good stuff, but what do I want to change in my own life fundamentally about how my life is organized. And if you feel like I have no power to do any of that, you know, join the club. That's a really common way to feel, but you have more power than you think. You could send me a question about that, about what you're working on or thinking about for 2023. And you'll send your question as an email message to support at humanworkplace.com. That's your number one goal for me. Your number one assignment is to figure out What's important to you in 2023? How do you want your life to look at the end of 2023 that's different from the way your life looks right now? All right. We're going to wrap up with this. I've been teaching a small group of fantastic people how to become career coaches and how to start their own businesses and how to teach my curriculum job search curriculum, uh, internal growth in your company, 
raising your visibility and your thought leadership, starting a, a company of your own, a consulting business, uh, teaching this curriculum, career change and branding and interviewing and all of those elements. And these folks are ready to go and work with clients. So if you are looking for career coaching, jump over to our website, humanworkplace.com or shoot us an email at support at humanworkplace.com and we'll help you find a career coach. A human workplace trained career coach, part of our network to help you get to the next step in your career. And if you're interested in becoming a career coach with our help, same thing, drop me a note on LinkedIn or in my email inbox, support at humanworkplace.com so we can talk about that. If career coaching is something you've been thinking about for yourself. All right, so my final word to you as we go into 2023 is this. Um, create something for yourself next year. Stir up the water, right? Mix it up. Get something going. Create a little chaos. You got to create some chaos. You got to give up some order. Uh, we work so hard to get order in our lives, and who could blame us? Because it's very comforting, and it helps us in so many ways, right? But you got to create a little chaos to, to step into your power. And so I encourage you to just think about what you could mix up, what you could get started, step out of what you know and what's familiar, and just try something really new in 2023. I am behind you in that, and here's to you. I also hope you celebrate everything you learned and surmounted and accomplished in 2022.